What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for things that are upcoming in my world, one of which is a brand new free masterclass. I haven't hosted a brand new masterclass in over a year, so I'm super excited to deliver this one. It's happening on March 19th at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and it is called Growth Codes. This free masterclass is where I'm gonna talk to you guys about the keys to building a lucrative coaching business in an oversaturated industry. So what we're gonna cover inside of this free masterclass is the skills you need to become successful, what you need to know before you create any product, how to be seen as a leader in this industry, how to convert followers into clients, the honest truth about scaling to multiple six figures, the secret to sales magnetism. I'm also going to guide you through a visualization to help connect you to your soul vision of your business. And we're gonna finish with some EFT tapping for success. It's going to be absolutely incredible. The best part about this masterclass is that not only do you get all of this for free in an epic two-hour live experience with me, but you also, when you watch this masterclass, you are going to figure out how to get inside of a secret group where I'm going to be giving 10 days of free business coaching. So everybody who signs up to this masterclass, when you watch it, you're going to figure out these instructions to get inside of this secret group and get access to these 10 days of free business coaching with me. It is absolutely epic. I am so excited. I've never done something like this before. My marketing brain is going crazy. I know this is going to be so much fun and just such a cool experience. So if you are someone who is in the space, you are thinking about starting a business, you started your coaching business, but you're really ready to grow and scale. You want to learn all of these growth codes. You want to be in the energy, just meet a bunch of other people who are also in this space. Come join the free masterclass. You can sign up by clicking the link in the show notes below or heading over to my Instagram at underscore Samantha Daily and clicking the link in the bio. I hope to see you guys there. Over 200 of you signed up in the first 24 hours. So this is going to be a massive event. It's going to be so much freaking fun. Come join us. I can't wait to see you there. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Alexandria Maria, and it is one that you definitely don't want to miss. We chat about her entrepreneurial journey, creating a unique food product that ended up stocking in Whole Foods and other major stores across the UK, what it was like when she decided to completely burn that business down, her take on fusing manifestation with with strategy for quantum results, how to create more consistent high income months, her candid fears when it comes to becoming a mom while running a business, and her experience being invited to Richard Branson's private island. This is an episode you guys are going to love. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go make shift happen.
Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. I'm very excited for this episode. We have a super special guest and I I feel so grateful that we're able to sit down and have this conversation because it's really like the timeline is so tight. You're about to become a mom in just a few days. And I'm so glad that I just feel grateful that we get to have this conversation and get it out into the world before your whole new journey into motherhood begins. But I'm here with Alexandria Maria. You guys might know her. You might be familiar with her from some things that I've shared in the past, but Alex is a business coach. She's a space holder. She's a facilitator, a leader, uh, a master of manifestation and soulful business, a, a very soon to be mom. And she was one of my support coaches inside of the Queendom Mastermind with Mel Wells back in 2021, which is how we originally connected. She is the queen of sold out six figure launches, and she has so much knowledge and power to bring to you guys today. So I'm very, very excited and grateful to have you here. Welcome to the show, Alex. Oh my God. What what an intro. Thanks, babes. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very glad that we managed to do this and there is not a baby airside right now. It was freaking hilarious. You messaged me. This is the background to this. Sam messaged me and I was like, I would love to do this. Let me just check the baby hasn't arrived by the time we schedule it in. So I'm so happy that we're actually here and baby is still belly side right now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Finish, finish cooking fully. And then we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Yeah. So, okay. So much that we could unpack and dig into in this conversation. I thought it would be fun to start with like a few, just like quick rapid fire questions. So I didn't send you these ahead of time because I wanted to just see like what would, what would come through. So the first one is what is something that you used to do a lot, but that you don't do anymore? And it could be like literally anything. It could be like a habit. It could be, um, something like lifestyle wise, it could be business. What's something that you used to do a lot that you don't do anymore? Two answers came to me, but I'll keep it quick because it's rapid fire. The first one that came to me was a set morning routine. So I used to have like, like super set down, like I do this and this and this and this. And now it's much more like feeling into on the day. What do I need today? What will really fill me up? Um, And the second thing more business related is I used to do a hell of a lot of discovery calls and I feel like I don't really do many calls. If you've managed to wriggle me on a call, congratulations, because <laughs> I do not get on many of those calls anymore at all. Yeah. I res- I actually resonate with both of those things. I used to be way more regimented with like morning routines and now I'm just kind of like, eh, it's weird. I like went through a phase of like not having a morning routine at all and yeah. just being like a, almost like a, what I call like a regular person who just like wakes up and like, okay, I need to feed myself. I need some hygiene and I need to get ready for the day. But like, I didn't do any, anything crazy. I think I needed like a detox of like the regimented stuff. I hear you. And I actually think there's like, I think you go through different seasons and different times in your life and your business. And I definitely needed the regimented stuff to begin with. And I needed to like create some shifts. And in order to do that, I had to be really on it. But I was the same as you. I then went through a patch and was like, I'm just going to get up, make a cup of tea, start to go about my day. And then now I feel like you then come into balance. You come into that happy medium. And I was thinking it depends again, you know, if I'm going into launches, like I will tend to ramp it up a little bit more again, but yeah. Happy medium. Like what do you need today? What's going to, what's going to fill you up before you go about your day? Yeah. I love that. Okay. So next one is what is something that you wish you were more consistent with? 
I wish I was more consistent with um, making time to create content. And it's something that I've really committed to this year. It's definitely a shift I'm making because I actually really enjoy content creation and it can be very easy to put it lower in my list of things to do. Totally. We are on the same wavelength. I feel like content was always like the, it was like the last thing that I thought of in my business. It was like everything else. And then at the end of the day, I was like, oh shit, I should probably post something on Instagram. Right. And that was like how I operated for so long. And I just shifted at the start of this year. I was like, Fridays, we're planning the content for the next week. We're coming up with the ideas and if it's going to be a reel or a carousel or whatever. And then on Mondays we sit down, we film it, we put the captions, we schedule it. I just want to shout you out for that as well, because your content is on fire. I love when your content pops up. I love your stories. I love your content. So I just want to fangirl you for a minute. You're nailing it. What you're doing is working. It's working. Well, it's that. It's the decision to like be more consistent with it. So it's totally, it's created such an energetic shift, I feel, in, in, in my content and just in myself too. So I love that. Okay. So we're, we're vibing with that. Um, what is, what is the hardest experience in your business, Ben? Like your first gut reaction? Getting pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, because I didn't plan for it. It wasn't when it was, I mean, I'm a classic. Am I allowed to swear, by the way? I should have asked you Okay. Classic fucking Capricorn. I had a plan. This was not the plan. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that honestly threw a real spanner in my works. Uh, yeah, I wanted to, I, w- I wanted to like tread lightly around the conversation of like business and motherhood, but I also, for my own like selfish reasons, really wanted to be able to ask you about this time. I also mm-hmm. know that you had a really, that you had a really hard first trimester and were like really unwell. And I'm, I'm sure that just, and if you weren't planning to get pregnant and then you're, you know, really sick, that throws everything for a loop. But I think like for me, one of my biggest, I just, I never feel like I'm ready for motherhood because of the, because of the business, because of the entrepreneurship piece. I think if I were in a traditional job by now, I'd probably be like, yeah, totally. Like, let's have a baby. So I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about this, but like, did you have like the, I know you're a planner as well. So did you have like the, the fears or the doubts of like, how is becoming a mom going to impact like my business and entrepreneurship and my financial livelihood and and all of it? hundred percent. I'm such an open book on this. And like, I will caveat this by saying I did, I had something called HG. So I was like super sick, super ill. I had a rough, like four to five months in the beginning. So like it it was an extreme version of pregnancy. So I, I will say that, but that being said, I think it is a universal experience where so much shifts for you through that. And I a hundred percent had all the fears. I was like, my business is going to go downhill. My productivity is going to go downhill. My focus is going to be distracted. Like all these things were massive fears. And one of the most beautiful actually experiences that has come from motherhood or pregnancy so far is um, realizing how much of your fears are bullshit. 
And it's the same thing that applies to all the other fears that we have when we start a business or we go through an up level or we shift something in our lives, you know, we move or whatever it may be. Often all those fears that we have are exactly that, you know, the, the classic false evidence appearing real. That's what it often turns out to be. And the the only kind of sheddings that I have experienced have been ones that I'm really grateful for and definitely have made me a more truer, authentic version of myself in my business. So, yeah, overall, it's a positive thing, but it was also the hardest thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost like this experience of like being initiated into motherhood or, you know, knowing that you're going to have to bring a life into the world, it forces you to like really prioritize and look at like, what is not working or, you know, what is actually not that important? Maybe it's working fine, but it's not actually that important to me. So I can imagine that, that, like you mentioned the shedding of just like stripping down and like letting go of the things that you're like, you know what, I don't actually need to like, keep doing that. Yeah. And also like your bullshit tolerance goes so low. Like I already thought I had a pretty low bullshit tolerance, but you suddenly realize like the things that felt so big and so important, just like they're just not. And in a really, and to kind of flip that on the flip side, the positive thing is you raise your energetic standards. You really raise your energetic standards of who is coming into my field. Who am I working intimately with? Like, I love the the name of your new one-to-one proximity, you know, but it's a question of that. Who do I have proximity with? You really start to like question that in a powerful way. So yeah, I think it's totally normal. I hear you on the kind of fears and things like that. And I think a lot of us have them. I a hundred percent have them, but one of the biggest gifts has been recognizing like it is just that it's, it's been fair and, I mean, I can speak for myself. Everyone's journey looks different as they as they go through this. But so far, it's been it's actually been a real powerful initiation. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, the last one of these questions is: What is something you think a lot of people misunderstand or get wrong about the coaching space? That it's all about the money. Mm. I think that's a huge one. I think I love celebrating abundance and money and all those things but I think sometimes it gets twisted and people don't realize like often the reason people started these businesses is because something about what they're teaching saved their life in some way and I think that gets lost sometimes I just got full oh my god can you see that I just got full body goosebumps when you said that because I know that's so it's so true it's so true but I think also sometimes like not even just the perception of the industry. I think people in the industry can actually get lost in that. Like you start Mm. the business being like, yes, this totally changed my life. I want to spread this message at all costs. And then it it does become this like rat race of, of, of money. A hundred percent. And like, I'll hold my hands up top before where I've definitely fallen into a trap where, um, I questioned my value as a coach, particularly doing business coaching in terms of like, do I need to be doing a certain amount or doing this or da, 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 da. And I definitely had to have that moment of reflection of like what was important and what was of value and essentially step away from that noise. I think I'm totally with you on that. I think it can be, it can get kind of enmeshed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I feel that so deeply. I've been, oh my God, as you know, I I let go of one of my signature programs recently and have been like moving more into the the vision of what it looks like to really own like the title of a business coach or business mentor. And, you know, I've been doing that for 
a while in, in small ways, but like making it this bigger part of like my brand and my identity. And my head has been like all up, down and around all over the place with that transition. So I think it has to do not only with like internally being able to hold the new identity and also trust that what you're doing is right for you and that you are in it for the right reasons and keep reconnecting to the why and the purpose. Um, but also cutting out that noise, uh, like, you know, everything on social media and the comparison and seeing other people and this, yeah, the phenomenon of like just really big astronomical numbers being everywhere and and not letting that consume you in some way or make it mean anything. And just really like, it's been, I think it's been challenging to stay like with the blinders on of like, this is who I am. This is what my mission, this is what I have to offer. Like I know my value. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel that, I feel that deeply. Do you know, I actually followed advice that I give to my clients, particularly when I was working with startups, like about not needing to follow like everyone in in your industry. And I realized like unintentionally I'd accumulated following a lot of people who were in the coaching industry, which is great in many respects. But just before Christmas, I actually made a really conscious decision to go and unfollow the majority. Oh, of I saw that. Yeah. So I, I think I went from following like 3000 people to like around 600 and I could probably carry on. I just haven't been bothered since the Christmas holidays to sit and do it. But it's so nice. And like following a variety of people from different industries and lifestyle bloggers and friends and yes, coaches. Like, you know, I just said, like, your content's on fire. I'm loving it. Like, but just really just being a bit more like conscious and considerate around what I'm consuming. And particularly because I I don't know like how deep your listeners or you're into human design, but like I found I have an undefined head center. I think I've got this the right way. There's probably someone listening who's a human design expert being like, she's got this completely the wrong way around. Um, (laughs) But I have an undefined head center. And that means like, whilst I can find it inspiring to have a certain amount of external noise, too much gets overwhelming. And really honoring that part of myself where I'm like, yeah, I love to like jump on and support my friends and feel inspired and do that. But also there's a limit to that and it can get too noisy and too. And then, like you say, it's the blinkers. It's like staying true to what your message is, what you want to share with the world. Hmm. Yeah. So I'd love for, I know this story, but I, I'd love for everyone who's listening to just kind of get a background on how you got started in entrepreneurship. Cause your journey is, I think it's unique to the way that a lot of us start in this space in that you began with an actual physical product based business. So can you talk a little bit, like we need to go back to Cham days (laughs) and talk about how that grew and, and how that eventually evolved into what you do now with online business coaching. Yeah. So whistle stop tour was, I was definitely like one of those people who was like following the rules of life of go study, go get a job be happy was what I assumed was the outcome. And I just found myself thinking, fuck, if this is the next 40 years of my life, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is just not going to work for me. And it basically, these like small whispers just accumulated in this massive breakdown. I'd been seeing my parents one weekend. I was getting the train home and I started to cry and I could not stop crying. And like Monday came, still crying. I'm like, I'm not talking like subtle tears either. I'm talking like 
full body sobs. Like, and I was doing this on a train as well. It was a whole thing. Anyway, Monday comes, I'm still crying. I'm like, cool. Tomorrow I'll have my shit together. Tuesday comes, I'm still crying. I'm like, fuck, I really need help here. Like something is not, something's not right. And I went to the doctor because I didn't know where else to go and you can't stop unconsolably crying. And he was like, we need to sign you off work. Like you're overstressed. You're, you're not doing well mentally, basically. And I was so embarrassed. I was, I could not believe that I was being signed off work and that I was having a breakdown, despite the obvious signs that I was indeed having a breakdown. But it was the best thing that ever happened because I got signed off work. I was kind of forced to sit with myself in the silence that comes when you're suddenly going from your nine to five every day to just sitting at home and all your friends are at work and you just have to sit with your thoughts. And I realized that I had built so much of my life out of alignment that I did not like the life that I had created. And I actually needed to burn it all down to the ground and essentially rebuild my entire life. And as part of that, I didn't know what I was going to do. I started to go to events and one of the events was how to start your own food business. And I actually went to try and get a job from someone else there because I thought maybe I could network and like my husband had a startup and I was well boyfriend at the time. And I was like, maybe I could like do a startup. People in startups seem to genuinely enjoy what they're doing. So like maybe this is the avenue. I like food. This could work. And as I was listening, I had this idea drop in for you know, nut, be- nut butter had had this whole revival. And I was like, I could do that, but with jam. So it could be chia jam, sugar-free, all this stuff. And that's how it genuinely started. I went home, I went to my kitchen. I started manically creating 50 million versions of the same recipe and trying different natural sweeteners and different ratios of chia seeds and all the rest of it. Came to a kind of basic recipe, came up with the name Cham pretty much instantly because I was like, chia jam, Cham. And, um, the, yeah, that journey was wild. It was it was literally starting at my kitchen, having no fucking clue what I was doing. Zero. I'd never worked in the food industry. I was an insurance broker previously, and I'd never started a business. To within eighteen months, we were in Whole Foods, we we're in Selfridges, Ocado. I realized a lot of these are like UK brands, but like these big brands, basically these big superstores, we were stocking them with our product. So it was, yeah, just a whirlwind journey and just really showed me that anything is possible. Hmm. So amazing. I remember first hearing about the, I think it was in your, like, um, your bio as part of like the queendom was like about your like cham and it was like whole foods. And I was like, Oh my God, this girl must be so legit. Like her product <laughs> was in whole foods, but it's so funny when you get to like, talk to the people behind the startups. Cause I mean, we're all startups in a sense, when you start building a business, even if it's online, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. And it's like, no matter how much uh, success or whatever you see on the outside, there's always like a human behind it. Who's like, Oh my God, what is the next step? I have no fucking idea, but then you just figure <laughs> it out. A hundred percent. And like, I think this is also why if I'm being honest, I have like a bit of a low tolerance for the excuse. I don't know how to do it because it's like, particularly in the age that we live in where there's amazing resources online, there's incredible courses you can take. There's amazing mentors that you can work with. Like you can work anything out. You can work anything out. And if there isn't a solution, even better, you get to be innovative and create a solution for something. 
but that was genuinely the case and like I remember the whole food whole foods thing came about I like stalked down the buyer at an event I basically used to carry jars of this jam around and be like you need to try my jam <laughs> and got them to try it there and then and you know it, it wasn't again I think like you say we can have this very curated image of like a formal business meeting and da, 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 da. no I was a woman on a mission with a jar of jam in my handbag and a freaking spoon and being like try my jam you need to stock this and then just going from there basically yeah yeah I like Marie Forleo says right everything is figure outable like I think that's so, so true, especially nowadays when you can literally find any answer on the internet. And if you can't find it on the internet for free, there's someone who's done it, who you can get next to and figure out how they did it. Right. That, I mean, that's like the business of, of what we do. So how did you then transition from this like product-based business stocking in stores to then more of like the online model and getting into the coaching space? Yeah, so I definitely saw the value even with a product-based business of having an online presence. So we were doing a lot of community building in terms of like our Instagram website, doing a lot of brand collaborations as well with influencers and other brands. Um, so that was kind of the, I guess, dipping the toe in the online sense. And then I also really wanted to personally connect to the business that I was creating so a lot of the reasoning behind creating the business I created was for personal reasons I'd obviously experienced things like depression and anxiety I knew shifting my diet had a huge impact on that and I wanted to be able to provide support in terms of that element so I'd actually start to do a health coaching and life coaching combined qualification in the background to doing all this um, and also reading my yoga teacher training. Now, as I'm sure anyone who's taken either of those trainings know, you go on a very deep journey yourself as part of that journey. Like it has to begin with you embodying that transformation and walking that path before you can then go out to other people and, and do that work. So I was going through this very deep transformative process in the background to running this business. And through doing that, really realized that actually whilst it was closer to alignment and whilst there are elements I loved loved of that business it wasn't what I ultimately wanted to create because we got to the point in the business where we're meeting with investors where I'm writing pitch decks it was very actually corporate again and like I said my partner has a startup I'd seen the path that he'd walked in terms of that again very corporate and I wanted to be more in the creative director role I wanted to be more in the touching people's lives role and making changing people's lives part and it didn't feel like it was the best avenue to do that so through doing these qualifications through doing this work I kind of came to this conclusion of actually this isn't the right business for me it's been amazing but I actually want to go into the and it started with tran transformational life coaching. That was where I wanted to begin. So that was what I wanted to focus on. And I actually remember I asked for a sign with this because obviously it's your business baby. Like it's a lot. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, like the grief that came up around letting go of that business. Um, but I asked for a sign and we were meant to record an episode of Dragon's Den in the UK, which is like Shark Tank over here. It's like a similar thing. And um I got to the recording of Dragon's Den. We went to pitch. I managed to pitch. And then my voice went completely to the point I genuinely couldn't talk. Like, could not get a full sentence out. And I remember one of the, the dragons called Deborah Mead had offered me a strepsil. <laughs> she was like, are you okay? 
And I was like, this is my sign. My throat has just closed. That is the biggest sign to me that this is just not an alignment. And after that, I had a conversation with the person I bought on board and was doing it with. And I was like, I need to, I need to walk away from this. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like those transitions in business, it's like the same, it's almost like what I've been realizing is you, it's the same journey, but in new packaging over and over and over again, it's like when you decided to leave corporate America for me, it was, you know, the corporate world. I was like, I can't do this. Um, for you, obviously you're working in the UK at the time, but like you decide to leave that and it's like, Oh my God, I'm burning it all down. And what's going to happen? And what am I going to do next? And is it going to be worth it? And is this the dumbest decision that I've ever made or the smartest decision that I've ever made? (laughs) And then, you know, you build something else up and you're like, wait, but this needs to change now. And it's, this isn't the the future of this, isn't what I want for the future of me. And so I'm going to burn it all down again. And oh my gosh, is it the dumbest decision or the smartest decision? And I feel like we're just, we just keep going through it in new ways all the time. And even now, like as you're about to become a mom, it's like, you're having to look at certain things in your business and go, well, we're going to have to retire that program and let go of this and burn this down and pivot here and switch maybe who our ideal client is and how we work with people and the amount of access that people have. And it's like just over and over and over again, that like initiation of like, okay, and who do you want to be next? And what does that require you to let go of? A hundred percent. And I think one of the biggest things is why are we surprised by that? Like, I think actually one of the most shocking things about it is that we all get so surprised. (laughs) I know every time we're like so thrown off. Like I thought I found the answer for the rest of my days. Like as if, as if it was never going to change ever again. Exactly. That's exactly the thing. Like if anything, the shocking thing is that we thought we had found the key that was going to be the key for the rest of our lives. But we are, I believe we are in a state of constant evolution, of growth, of metamorphosis, of shifts, of change. And as part of that, that's going to happen. Things are going to change. Alignment, what is aligned for you right now will not be what's in alignment for you in three to five years, potentially. It might still be, but we have to really leave space for the possibility that it isn't, you know? And yeah, I think the funniest thing is that, yeah, each time we're like, what? Things need to change again? Really? Yeah. Oh my God. The resistance to it and then the surrender to it. And then the, the bliss on the other side of like, oh my gosh. And then it just like over and over again, it's the same cycle. So it's um, yeah, it's painful and joyful and hilarious all at the same time. <laughs> One thing that, that I love, so you started in like life transformation coaching, which is kind of like where I started as well. And, you know, mindset work and manifestation was like a huge piece of that. And then it kind of evolved more into the business space. So I feel like we, we have a a lot in common in that sense, but I love the thing that you kind of talk about, I know it's in your bio, it's like manifestation plus strategy equals quantum leaps. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're someone who actively fuses like the spiritual side, um, of manifestation with the, the practical strategy and hard work of business to create really amazing transformations for not only yourself in business, but of course your clients. So I'd love to just unpack your little formula and kind of hear you talk about like where that came from and and how you see it work in business manifestation plus strategy equals quantum leaps. Yeah, for sure. So 
I think I saw two things happening with the clients that I was working with. Either they were going really deep on the manifestation and manifestation incorporates multiple elements. You know, we have the, I guess, the kind of magical element of manifestation or what feels like magic, but it's also your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, your actions. That's actually all part of manifestation as well. So they were either kind of going really deep on the, the mindset or the magic or the manifestation work or they were going really deep on the strategy side of things of like, if I do A plus B, I will create C. And what was happening was neither was really working for them. There seemed to be a gap and they were never quite getting the results that they wanted. And my belief and my experience has been that it's because you really need both pieces of the puzzle. Like when people are you know, getting in the right mindset, that's great. But if they don't understand what on earth they're doing or how to make things work, they can still feel quite lost. They can be kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Again, if you have all the strategy pieces, but you're not, you're actually lacking the self-belief or you're not seeing the opportunities and the possibilities and the limitless potentials that are open to you, again, it tends to get quite stuck. So it really was just fusing the two together to get the most exponential results. And I think there's various ways that we can always also look at this, you know, manifestation, we could swap out for potentially the word energetics as well, like looking at the energy side of things. I think the strategy and the the manifestation is the masculine and the feminine as well. It's the yin and the yang. It's bringing both these elements together in harmony to create the most powerful results that you can so that was kind of the the thought process behind it and that's how it's evolved we're working with clients as well and the results that we create mm, yeah I love that I feel like that's such a huge part of well it has been such a huge part of like my journey and I'm so grateful for it I'm so grateful for discovering manifestation and spirituality and I did my yoga teacher training as well and all of that was like huge initiation into like you know that this world of like a just a, a deeper understanding of self and of of spirit and all of that and that was like I'm so grateful that I had that before I ever got into business because naturally I am a very like logical kind of like strategic individual. But yeah. if I hadn't had that, that piece of understanding, like my relationship to God or the universe, or being able to have those communications or asking for signs or feeling that I was consistently supported, I think the, the strategy or the logic of like, yeah, if I reach out to 20 people per day for every day at the end of the week, I'm going to have a hundred people, which will probably lead to 10 leads, which will probably lead to five sales calls, which means I could probably get too quiet. You know, like that's just <laughs> like, I think that would have burned me out yeah. without the, without having the, the spiritual side. But then to your point, like I do see a lot of people that are in the the spiritual space and they have so many amazing gifts and they want to share them. And so they're trying to build these businesses to share and guide and teach and heal. But there's, they're like almost, you know, a puddle, like how I talk about, uh, masculine and feminine energy is like masculine energy is, is the glass and yeah. feminine energy is the water. Yeah. And so if, if you just have the glass, if you just have the masculine, your life is empty because there's no play and joy and fulfillment to fill it up. But mm -hmm. if you take away the glass and you just have the water, you're a big mess all over the floor. Love the way you describe that. So beautiful. Like no, no direction. It's just kind yeah. of like, yeah, it's a, it's a big mess. And so I think we can see a lot of that, especially in the spiritual space of like people who are so deeply like 
talented and intuitive and they have a true gift, uh, but there's not that structure or that strategy to actually help them get in front of the right people or take the right steps to build a business. hundred percent. I do think as well, taking some responsibilities as an industry is that people have maybe been sold a bit of a lie sometimes or maybe selectively seen the parts that they want to see because I think they look at businesses that of you know highly spiritual people I mean I'm trying to think of if we even if we took like Deepak Chopra or Gabby Bernstein you know these spiritual thought leaders Gabby Bernstein's got funnels till the cows come home. You know, she has a whole, she's got a whole ecosystem behind her. And don't get me started on Deepak. My God, the empire that man has created and the systems that must be involved and the the strategy with his SEO and his podcast and his meditations and da 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 da. Like, I think, I think there's two parts of this. Sometimes we're sold this message of like, you can just purely be in your feminine, which I don't think is fully true because often these amazing feminine leadership, they still have systems and things in place to support the feminine. But also I think people selectively see the parts that they want to see and, you know, don't then actually acknowledge that, yeah, these people like Deepak and Gabby Bernstein, they have all their systems in place. They have all that structure in place so that they can then be free. So they can flow. So they can be more in that creation energy. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's so interesting too. Then you've got like characters like a, like a Gary Vaynerchuk or an Alex Harmozy and, and these people that it's like very much, or, or at least from the outside, what it looks like is very much this like masculine, but I think they also have this, you know, automations and things set up. And obviously they've delegated to a point where they can live their lives or else they wouldn't be able to continue to produce at the level that they do without having the water in the glass, without having the fulfillment. But like from, I think we have to be careful, like for what we see from the outside, but knowing that there's also other things happening behind the scenes that no matter if it looks like, yeah, this person is all about structure and masculine and strategy, or this person is all about like pure love and light and flow and just, you know, living in your feminine. It's like, well, is that really the whole pie or is that just the piece that we get to see because it's the most valuable in terms of their marketing and messaging? Yeah, I love that. It's so true. And, you know, definitely the examples work on reverse as well. Where I can't believe Gary Vee is going down all these rabbit holes of like, I feel like he's on every trend that emerges and the amount of time it must take to research those things or be in those rabbit holes. Like, you know, he definitely, that guy has some free time, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's got, he's got, yeah, obviously. I mean, he runs a media company. So of course he's got teams on teams on teams. Like that's how he can do all of that stuff is because he, like you see him out at the garage sales and going around, and of course they're filming it and it's content, but it's like, how does he have time to like live his life and do those things that are, yeah, quote unquote side hustles, but they're like fun for him. He doesn't need to be garbage picking at a garage sale, but he's doing that stuff for fun because he has the water in his glass because he has the structures and systems in place to allow space for like the feminine energy of play. So yeah, I, I think this conversation is important, especially for people who are growing their businesses of just understanding like the duality of it, because I think for the longest time I myself was like, oh, I'm too much in my masculine. Mm -hmm. And like, I almost like made that be like a bad thing. I felt like I was supposed to want more play. And like at that time, what I really wanted was to hustle. 
You know, I don't know if you've ever felt like that or like feeling like you just want to like, maybe as you move into motherhood, you'll discover that you just want to like live a lot more and be present and, and not feeling the guilt of like, I should want to work more or I should want to hustle more. I think what you really speak to there is the seasonality and like, I know you're an absolute manifestation queen as well. So when we look at the universal laws, like everyone talks about the law of attraction or things like this, but we forget that there's all the other universal laws. And one of them, which I actually love is the, the law of rhythms. So this um, seasonality, this ebb and flow that we experience. So just as we experience summer and we experience winter, or maybe not when you're in Florida, (laughs) it's just perpetual summer. Um, But just as we experience, you know, potentially seasons or inner seasons as a woman, if we have a, if you have a cycle, then you'll experience that, that cycle and feeling a different way in in certain parts of our cycle. Um, It's the same in business. I think we go through different seasons and it's really important to honor those. And I do think part of the the kind of cycle that I see in business is and actually if I'm being honest I do kind of believe in is when you're starting a business you gotta hustle a little bit more it's it's just it's just a little bit harder you know the analogy that I always give is um you're building a snowball so if you're building a snowball from scratch it's hard work you're trying to like bring in all the snow you're trying to pack it together you're trying to make it the right shape you're doing all these things and it's hard work And then you start to push that snowball down the hill and you're putting some energy into it. You're like, God, I got to push this. But then as it starts to go, it it picks up its own momentum. And, you know, in a business sense, clients start to come to you. Opportunities start to come to you. Things get a little bit easier. But I definitely think there is that hustle energy. And I don't think we can make that wrong either. I think it's okay to be lit up by what you're doing. I think it's okay to know I need to put a little bit of extra work into this right now. In the same way, it's okay to say right now, I'm going to pull back from business a little bit, or I'm going to just kind of enjoy things a little bit more. Like one of the things I did in prep for my maternity was we had a big like focus in the business anyway on monthly recurring rather than just focusing on like the big cash months. So big cash months look big and sexy, which is great and make a great headline. But what I personally think is so sexy in business is knowing at the start of each month, I have money coming in without me making a single sale promotion, Instagram, Instagram post, anything. So we had monthly recurring for the year of at minimum 25K per month when the year started. So actually this year, if I don't want to launch, if I don't want to hustle, I don't have to, I get to do that. But would I have created that if there weren't periods of my life where I had worked really hard on my business, where I had put a lot of energy in? Honestly, I don't think so. I think that came and it's that seasonality. It's that ebb and it's that flow. Yeah. I love that. I had, I had the intention of asking you a question about inconsistent income months and how to create this sort of like consistency in MRR, um, and monthly recurring revenue. So I think this is a a perfect segue into that. So what are, what are, what you see with the clients that you work with, like, what are some of the potential reasons for the inconsistent income months? Obviously, if you're functioning on like a, a live launch schedule and you're just dependent on the launch to bring in the money, that could be something, but I'm interested to know kind of like what you see as that pattern. Um, and then, yeah. Like what are, what are, what are you doing with your clients to help them get to these consistent, like 20, 30, 40, 50 K months? 
Yeah. So what leads to inconsistency can really depend on the individual, but a couple of common things I see is inconsistency in their own energy. So as much as we can honor those rhythms of ourselves, is there a way that you can still write a level of consistency into your business? So for example, instead of, you know, we were talking about content earlier, instead of relying on feeling inspired on the day to write a piece of content, how can you make sure that you have a content in advance, but B, there's almost like a bank of content that you can come to or go back to if you aren't feeling alive to creating something live at that point and in that moment I think the second thing is definitely program structures as well as launch structures so I know you spoke then about not just doing live launching I think having that balance of okay it's kind of the masculine the feminine like having the the live launching but also the evergreen strategy where people and client leads are coming in on a consistent basis outside of launches as well. And I think to sit with that as well, it's having programs that allow people to come into your world on a consistent basis rather than just open close. Now, that's not to say you can't build exponential businesses on open close containers. There's so many brilliant examples of this in the coaching industry, for example, Marie Folio, you know, she open closes B-School, Manifestation Babe, she open closes programs. There's, there's, I don't believe there's a one-fits-all strategy. And that might work really well for you, particularly if you want big chunks of time off in your business and things like this. Um, but they will still be creating some level of consistent income, be it through payment plans, um, things like this. So in terms of supporting clients to create that, um, I'll start there like moving away the focus from just paying full to payment plans because paying full always sounds like really sexy and it is it's great to have a pay in full but actually your MMR comes from your payment plans so how can you actually enjoy having a payment plan client not just enjoy having a pay in full client and it's interesting I say that because a lot of people I see are actually they only want pay in full and they have a resistance to the monthly, the, the payment plans. And that's something that's brilliant at bringing in your MMR. Um, I think the second thing is potentially shifting program structure to um, allow space for people to join their world in a consistent way. So instead of, it's a little bit like going into a shop and then being like, yeah, we have no food today. And you're like, but I came to do my groceries. And they're like, yeah, we got no food. So you go to the shop next door that has groceries in and you can buy your groceries. But quite often we do that in service-based businesses. We're like, yeah, got nothing for you right now. I'm not selling anything. And they're like, okay, cool. Well, I'll work with someone who is. So having something on offer that people can be buying in a consistent way. Um, and then I think really nailing that hybrid structure of launches and evergreen and I think a lot of that evergreen again comes down to a question of content and how you're actually being a magnet to clients in the interim not just when you're in a big launch yeah like in terms of I mean a way to keep these it's kind of because I think people have this experience if you're starting out early on in your business and you're like oh I'm just going to create this course and people can buy it whenever and Alex is saying that this is great for monthly recurring revenue people can just buy it whenever you might experience that like the audience isn't there yet to have that sort of like demand of like, I'm going to buy whatever you have whenever it's available. So also understanding again, going back to like the seasons and the ebbs and flows of business of like, 
putting in that work in the early phases of your business so that you have an audience that is hot enough to come upon your content and want to engage or buy something that's, that's passive or that's evergreen. Um, and so I think it, this all of course is so nuanced because it depends a ton on where you're at in your business. And if that's actually, if that's actually going to work for you, but the the content is the top of the funnel, Mm -hmm. right. For like so much of, of what we do and, and courses and anything that's on an evergreen model content is the top of that funnel. It's likely the first place that people are connecting with you and finding with you, finding you. So then it's like, where does the, where do they go beyond that? Like after they enter the funnel of social media, like where do they go after that? And kind of having to look at that as well. Cause sometimes we have great content, but then, like you said, there's not, there's nowhere else for people to go. So then they're just there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think talking about the earlier stage businesses, people create a bottleneck there very often. They're so focused on creating the content that they forget to bring in a call to action. They forget to actually and on also create dead ends, you know, so, okay, you've got this amazing piece of content, but where can people then go deeper with you on that? You know, it's, it's not enough to just have a standalone piece of great content. Is there a way that they can deepen their experience of that with you? Um, also trusting that people will come into that funnel then at different points as well. So yes, it might have began with a piece of content. They could become one of your one-to-one clients, highest paying offering, without ever coming to your free masterclass or your paid masterclass or, or doing your passive thing. I think the other thing there to mention, again, so it speaks to people at different stages in their businesses, your evergreen offerings don't necessarily need to be fully passive to begin with either. It could be that you have a program that runs consistently with a live element that people can join and that you can build those numbers in month on month on month. So let's say you start with two members at the start of the year and they're paying you a thousand dollars each and that's two thousand dollars if you enroll a member each month of that year you're ending the year with we shouldn't have done this yeah 14 people I know the math on the fly I was like why have I committed to this shouldn't have tried (laughs) to do maths in my head like this um but no I got that So by the end of the year, you've got 14 people in that program. If they're at $1,000 a month, that's $14,000 recurring that you've got coming into that program. And all you've had to do is enroll one person per month. It wasn't any like crazy numbers or anything that felt really big and scary. It was just one aligned client a month. And I think sometimes as well, when we break it down in those ways, we can start to understand how people are creating those recurring revenue months. And it feels a little bit more tangible. Yeah. Totally. So this kind of leads me into the, the idea of launching, because I know you also have live launches that you run in your business and you teach on the strategy behind how to generate like a a sold out launch or a six figure launch. So I'd love to hear you just share some of your insights around the live launching process. We've touched on like the evergreen and how to, how to kind of tap in there. But when we think about like actually live launching a program, what are some of your like best tips to um, I guess like optimize that experience because a live launch is a commitment, mm-hmm. right? As we know, it's like, it's energetically a lot. There's yeah. a lot of planning, like there's a lot that goes into it. So if you are going to do live launching, you want to be making the most of it. So what are some of your like insider secrets in terms of like sold out six figure launches? 
Okay, so one of the things just came from what you were speaking then, which is a launch is a lot of energy. So firstly, making sure that you have an energetic plan in place for you during that launch, like making sure that you have spaciousness or things booked in, you know, I'm talking even as basic as like, go for a freaking massage, you know, after you've gone live, like run a bath or whatever it may be, like make sure you have a plan in place to manage your energy as you go through that launch. But I think the other thing linking to that is the biggest mistake that I see people making with live launches is each time they live launch doing something different. And because they're doing that, each launch feels like climbing Everest because they're creating from scratch all over again. And it's honestly so unnecessary. Like one of the six figure launches that we have, we have now run maybe six times. I don't don't know, around six times. Same launch. We tweaked things in it. We've upgraded things in it, but it's the same launch and it gets easier and easier and it gets better and it gets better. We're not reinventing the wheel each time. And I think that's a really important thing to remember when it comes to launching. Like your first launch should probably feel like the hardest one. From there on, it should feel easier and easier because you should be rinsing and repeating. Yes, and refining. There's probably three hours there. Rinse, repeat, refine. So like refining elements, but not not starting from scratch all over again. Um, That's one of the, yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest mistakes I see people making in terms of doing that. Yeah, I know. I I appreciate that so much. I I literally just did a training this week on Monday with my membership around rinse and repeat launch strategy of just doing the same thing over. Like I will, I'll do the same masterclass. I'll send the same emails. Like I'll do the, it's the same stuff. And, and every time we kind of go through and we make sure that it all is still relevant and that it all makes sense and that it's up to date and, you know, there's checks and balances of the rinse and repeat process. Um, but that literally has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like uh, launches are like not, at least for programs that are pre-existing that we've already launched for before. I'll say, if I'm creating something new, I know it's going to be, you know, the first time around launch thing. Like that's a, that's a true commitment of like, okay, yeah. brand new program, brand new messaging, all new emails, all new content, all new everything. But yeah. for things that are pre-existing, like launches are just like, okay, let's go. Like yeah. everything's ready. A hundred percent. And I think linking to that as well, like another kind of key launch tip or way of refining that process is expanding the metrics within where, within which you measure a launch. So a really basic measure of a launch is how much cash did I bring in or how many clients did I bring in? We can get a little bit more savvy than that because there's a big difference between, say, one 100K launch where you were on 60 discovery calls, your conversion rate was only at 30%, you were burnt out, stressed, emotionally exhausted, and then you needed to take two weeks off because you were at breaking point, to an 100K launch where your conversion rate was higher or you sold in DMs rather than calls, um, things were just run seamlessly, uh, maybe you gained Instagram followers. There's all these different metrics that we can look at. So like, how has it felt energetically? How did it run with the team? Did you grow and in terms of socials? What new leads did you get in? How can that feed into your pipeline further on, not just during this launch? There's so many different things. I think we also just need to like broaden the net as well of how we measure these launches. But again, you can only really do that when you're rinsing and repeating because you get to look and compare to the past one and say, 
this one felt like this, but this one, we actually really nailed this element and we've shifted this element or we experimented with this element. I think this is one of the things that I, I personally struggle to get to grips with the most in my business is that business and marketing is experimentation and testing. You know, it's not just a one size fits all cookie cutter. Everyone has a different audience. Everyone has different things that feel in alignment for them. And the best way to work that out is often to test it. But you can't test it unless you're doing things more than once. So, yeah, I think looking at those different metrics is another really key element there. Yeah. And and being willing to test, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I just decided I'm going to change the time, the timeline of uh, one of my signature launches that happens several times a year. I'm like, it's not going to be as long as it used to be. We're going to play with a much shorter launch period. It's going to be a shorter early bird period. It's going to be shorter time to purchase. And we're just going to have to see if the people are ready, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm ready for it to be shorter, but now we have to actually put that into practice and see, like, are, are you guys ready for it to be shorter? Are you going to be like prepared? Are you yeah. ready to buy? Like, is it, is, is it going to work? And there's no way to tell if it's going to work unless you try it. And I think like that sometimes holds people back too, from discovering that they could do things in a a different or easier way, because once you know that something works, it's almost like fearing that if you deviate, that it will then just not work at all or flop or fail or whatever. And and being willing to have the the, the courage in your business to go, no, let's try it a little bit differently and just see what happens. Like the curiosity, I think is an important element to keep in your launches. And I think for everyone listening, the thing to note there about what you just said was your energy when you said it, like the way that you talk about it, you're like, we're going to see if they're ready. We're going to see if they're not. And I honestly think that kind of energy is one of the reasons for me as well. And I really resonate with you on this is that I've been successful in business because I'm not sat here going, this has to work. Like, oh my God, the world is going to implode if this doesn't work. I'm like, let's fuck around. Let's see. Let's see if this works. If it doesn't, the world is not going to end. We're going to learn from it. We're going to see how we shift our messaging. We're going to pivot some things around. We're going to see what happens here. But you've got to go in with that almost playful light energy rather than, because I think that's otherwise we go in so rigid the slightest sign that something isn't working we panic and we backpedal and we never actually see it through or we lose the flexibility that we potentially need to actually pivot during it and be like actually let's shift things slightly this isn't quite working yeah let's fuck around and find out that's the vibe (laughs) (laughs) the vibe i think you have to create the safety in your business for you to be able to, to do that. I think people that are unable to do that is because they don't have safety yet established in their business or everything is riding on something working. And I just, I don't like that energy. Um, I, I tell my clients all the time, like starting a business is like having a child. It's like birthing a baby. You can't expect the baby to take care of you. Someday your children would take care of you when you're much older, but you, they need you first to pour into them and to nurture them. And so I think that's a, a huge piece of it too, is like, 
obviously, again, going back to our initial conversation of like, yeah, sometimes you do have to work harder. Well, you do have to work harder at the beginning because everything is harder at the start. And I think that should be a positive thing for people to hear, remembering like, it's never going to be this hard again. I really, truly believe that like business is always changing and there's, there's new challenges and new fucked up things that happen all the time where you're like, oh my God, like this is really what it means to, I guess, like own a company or like do something big in the world, but it's new and different challenges. But I, I truly believe like it never gets as hard as it was uh, like at the start. So I think that should be encouraging of like, yeah, it's hard in the beginning and it'll never be that hard again. Yeah. And I think two things building on that, like, I, I mean, this doesn't apply if you're in the medical industry, but I often turn around to my business manager and I'm like, no one died. You know, that's not to say we don't uphold really high standards. We hold, in in fact, like today I had feedback from one of the women in the mastermind saying like, I felt that was like awe inspired by how organized everything was and how like in place everything was. I'm not saying you don't maintain standards, but it is maintaining that perspective of like, no one died. It's okay. And then, you know, exactly what you were saying about that. There's a thing that I always remember from Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic, and she's talking about creativity here, but she says exactly the same thing about not leaning on your creativity to be the thing that's feeding you and providing for you. And she's talking in respect here of writing a book, but I think it translates across so many different things that we create where you don't put everything on it to begin with. You allow it breathing room, you allow it room to grow. And then at that point, there becomes that tipping point where you're like, okay, this is actually at a point where it can stand on its own two feet now we get to go play and expand and, and go into that realm. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Okay. So one last question for you, we can't leave without asking you about Richard Branson's private Island. So I didn't know what that question was going to be that I was like, I was like, what is this question going to (laughs) be? Last thing. What, what, what was that like? And how did it come about? What did you walk away with? Maybe, I don't know. What, what was that like? I think the thing to tell, like the part of this to tell is that I knew people who had gone to Necker Island before to his private Island. And I was always like, that is my dream one day. And like, I can see, I find it in journals and stuff like old journals still. And I was like, one day I'll be one of those business owners that gets invited to Necker Island. And like, but I never thought it would be me. And even a year before one of my friends was going and she was like, oh, you should go on that trip. And I was like, I'm not there yet. I'm I'm not there yet. And then I was there and all of a sudden it was this, um, yeah, it was an opportunity that to go and we do some work with his charity as well as kind of coming together as a, a group of women who are in business and wanting to create positive change in the world. Um, and the island was incredible. Like, I was actually pregnant when I was there, so I didn't get to enjoy all the champagne and (laughs) all that side of things. But I do remember being on the beach and being like, I really fancy a truffle mac and cheese. And someone was like, let me get you a truffle mac and cheese. And I was like, this is the pregnant dream right now. Yes. Um, (laughs) But on a a slightly more, uh, I guess, inspirational level, I think what was really incredible was being in the space with someone who was so disruptive in their industry and someone who really um, expanded the possibilities and went beyond limitations time and time again, and who did so with 
what looks like now, and I'm sure it wasn't the case at the time, but really walking alongside fear without letting fear take over at any point and really backing himself as well. Like the stories that he had just time and time again of, and I think this is really important for people in business to hear is we love the the after, we love the be, we love the transformation, but very rarely are we willing to actually do the things to get there and to hear his stories of how he was willing to go bigger and take those risks and do those things. Like even when he bought the island, he kind of bought the island saying that he wanted, he had all this money that he didn't have, you know, which I'm not advocating for, by the way, but it all came about as it was basically kind of a manifestation and him, him bargaining down on the price and um, maybe a bit more of a sensible answer or example, sorry, is, um, he talks about putting in-flight entertainment in planes. So he wanted to be a real trailblazer. He wanted to be a disruptor in the airplane industry. And I'm going to mess up the numbers here, but you can find the video. It's on his Instagram as well, where he talks about this. And um, he basically went to his lenders, his finances, and he said, I need $2 million to put these in-flight entertainment things into airplanes. And they said, no, we're not giving you that money. Like, we don't see the value in it. We're not doing it. So he was like, right, okay. So he went away and he called Boeing and he said, if I order a new fleet of planes, will you include these in-flight entertainment systems in the back of the seat? And they were like, yeah, we can do that. So he then went to his investors, finances, banks, whoever it was, and said, right, I need to borrow. The number is ridiculous. It's something like, I I feel like it's billion, but let's say for now it's 20 million, 10 times the amount. And they're like, yeah, we'll lend you that money. And it's just such a good example of like, instead of him being limited and be like, oh, they said no, I better think smaller. He was like, they said no, I better think bigger. And I think that's one of the biggest things I took away. Instead of us shrinking ourselves down and when things aren't going our way straight away, thinking I need to scale things back. I need to make things smaller. How can we actually say, how do I go even bigger on this vision? How do I find a new way, which is like even more exponential than anything I've considered before? Mm, I have goosebumps with that story too, because it's also a representation of, you know, even people who, who are leaders in a certain space, maybe not having the foresight to be able to see the vision that you have. And instead of giving up on that vision and going, oh, well, they're the expert and they know more. And they said no to this, like really, truly, like where there's a will, there's a way, like finding a way to go, no, this is the vision. And I believe in it so wholeheartedly that I actually don't care that you said, no, I'm going to find a way to turn your no into a yes, without you knowing that (laughs) you're actually saying yes to the original thing that I wanted, but you're just spending more money on it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think we can bring some of that energy into all the things that we do and some of that. And just like building on that again, like Louise Hay talks about the possibilities that aren't, we're not even able to mentally comprehend at this point. And we can see that's happened before. You know, if if we, um, I don't know, went back to the 1700s and spoke about rocket ships going into space, that was beyond even the conscious comprehension that we had. And there are possibilities available to us us right now that we can't even consciously comprehend from the limited space that we operate from. So just always remembering that actually, even our most unlimited thoughts are still limited, just shows us how much opportunity and possibility is open to us at all points. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Oh my God. It reminds me of a, the, that statistic where it's like, we can only, we see like less than 1% of the visible light spectrum in the world. So it's like, yeah. Did you not know that? Oh my God. It blows, it blows my mind. Yeah. We can all humans can only see like less than 1% of the visible light spectrum. So you're like, oh my God, what could be, and it seems like we see a lot right? Yeah. Which I think again, goes to this point of like, even the most, the, the biggest, most imaginative things that you could think of that's mm-hmm. still limited to some sense, because there's so many things that you're incapable of thinking of that could be possible. that are just not even in your realm yet. And I think about that all the time, just looking outside and like, what could be happening here right now that mm-hmm. I just can't see because of my own limitation. But I think that's where faith comes into the equation, especially in business. And I know that you'll feel this since you lead and, and guide business in a spiritual way. It's like, that's where we lean on faith of, you know, where certainty ends faith begins. Mm-hmm. And so having that trust that like, there's something even bigger than what we can perceive of. Oh my God. I love that. You blow my mind with that 1% of light. I'm like, <laughs> It speaks to me because I believe in this stuff anyway, but I'm like, what aren't we seeing? (laughs) I know. I'm literally like, sometimes I just look outside and I'm like, I wonder what else is like floating around. Like I'm imagining like spirits and like shapes and lights and all. I'm like, it's probably there. I just, I I can't see it. (laughs) Oh my God. You're going to catch me staring out the window doing exactly the same thing now. I love that. That was amazing. Oh, Oh my God. Well, thank you, Alex, for coming on and sharing all of your business wisdom with us. Such a pleasure. Um, By the time this episode comes out, honestly, you might have a newborn baby. I think that you will. So that (laughs) I know I'm I'm like, I hope for your sake that you do, because if not, you're going to start to get real uncomfy, but I'm so excited for you and this next phase of just life and it's going to be an entire spiritual initiation in and of itself. And I just, I'm so, I feel honored to be able to watch you walk that path as someone who wants to become a mother someday and is also an entrepreneur. And like I said, I share similar fears and doubts of running a business and being able to hold family and the the greater mission of why we do all the things that we do. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see you walk that journey and and hold your baby in your arms and, and feel that love and joy in your heart. And I'm just so happy for you. Thank you so much. I genuinely mean it. It's such an honor that you asked me to be here. And I mean, it. I find, I just think everything you're doing is incredibly inspirational. It's so trailblazing as well. I see you just walking a path in your own leadership energy. And it's so, so beautiful to see. And I know you really touch the lives of the women that you work with as well. So thank you for being such an incredible inspiration as well. I'm really, really honored that I got to be here with you today. Mm, Thank you so much. I love you. Um, Good luck with everything. I'll be following along closely um, to see when baby comes earthside. And um, we'll talk to you guys next week on the podcast. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you take a screenshot and you share it to your Instagram stories, tag both me and Alex. Um, We'll leave everything linked in the show notes below. But Alex, if you could shout out your handle and website or where people can find you. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at I am Alexandria Maria and website is alexandriamaria.co.uk. So super simple. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you next week.